Mazda presents The Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle and Adam Wilde. Well, I leave the country for a couple weeks and everybody loses their damn minds. Well, okay, let's think of all the things that have happened since uh, you left. Um, Mm -hmm. The country you went to left the European Union. That's correct. (laughs) The day you left for that country. Yeah. Uh, And then I think there was the Taylor Hall trade, which five minutes later was followed by the P.K. Subban trade, which five minutes later was followed by Steven Stamkos resigning. Which was on the same level of international media coverage. Yes, Yes, right? Absolutely. They're on the same level right there, one after the the other. The BBC actually led with... P.K. Mm. Subban traded over Brexit. Yeah. I mean, it was Brexit. Boris t- Johnson. Taylexic. Yeah, Taylexic. P.K. Exit. Paketsit. Subexit. Subexit. And hey, we should probably announce the fourth person to join us on the show today. Oh, well, no. A very important thing is Adam Gotten. Whatever. We'll talk about that on the online portion. No one cares. The first active professional hockey player to ever join this podcast. And he's joining us from a winter. Tunnel. Yes, apparently. <laughs> uh, Scribbles, Scrivesna, Ben Scrivens. <laughs> I like that pity will you give yourself, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I try. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for talking to us from your from your ninety four F one fifty in the middle of Denver. Is that is that right? That's what you're doing. Uh, yeah, I'm on the outskirts right now. I pulled over and uh, I appear to have pulled over on a truck route. So uh, every. 30 seconds or so, there's probably going to be a semi as the driver. Good, <laughs> good. Good spot. It's, it's not a, a long spot. show. Don't worry about that. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Uh, the great thing about Ben, well, one of the many great things about Ben is he owns two trucks that are older than Jesse is. <laughs> he has, what's the oldest one, dude? Is it the Red Dragon? Uh, no, I've got a, a 91 uh, Jeep Wrangler, actually, is the oldest. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And and you were just telling us about, I guess, the Red the red Dragon, which you and your dad yeah. just sunk a, a brand new motor into. Yeah, we we put a 454 big block into it, turned it into a bit of a sleeper. So that's no longer the daily driver. Uh, I've got the the Jeep because I needed a 4x4 for the, the winters in Denver. And then uh, um, I bought the, uh, the 91... Um, or sorry, the 94 F-150 when I was in Bakersfield this year to start the year. Uh, I bought it for, I think, 2000 bucks just to <laughs> you know, have something to drive around Bakersfield while I was down there expecting to sell it. And lo and behold, I fell in love with the truck, so I decided to keep it. I, I feel like that might be a bit of a, a, a thing with you. I, I mean, how many, how many do you own right now? Um, well, I've got, uh, I got, well, I guess, between Jen and I, we have uh, four vehicles, and then um, you know my family has a bunch of cars as well, too, so the, the, and, and motorbikes and all that sort of stuff. So, but that's the interesting uh, part, Ben, is that is that when you ask most people how many cars or trucks they own, they'll go one, two. You had to go. Um, let me think about that for a second. Let me think. Like how many? Like you just have them scattered all over North America? Yeah. Too. Yeah. My uh, the uh, the Chevy's up in uh, in Alberta right now. Um, I've got I bought some rims down here in uh, in the states that uh, I got to bring up there and, and put rubber on before uh, we put drop spindles on the front so it doesn't you know the rims are the rims that are currently on it aren't wide enough to clear um, to clear all the the turning the steering mechanism so mm-hmm. um, yeah it's basically it's drivable but it's not 
drivable until it gets new rims up there. So, well, and I'm sure you're going to uh, declare it, those rims at customs like a good, good Canadian oh, kid. Well, I mean, you get a deal by buying them in the states, and then you pay a little bit of, uh, of money at customs to bring them up. I, it, it's still the better way to do it. Most people, the only issue is you need a. For most people, is that you need an address to ship to in the states, which is somewhat difficult to do for most people, but. Um, obviously being in Denver, we have a place to ship it to. And then, uh, you know, we go back and forth to Edmonton, um, a couple times a summer anyway. So, uh, it's not the biggest hassle for us. Globetrotter, Ben Scrivens. And, uh, speaking of which, uh, you just went to Australia to play hockey. Uh, when did you get back from that? Uh, I got back, um, maybe a little over a week ago. So, uh, Sunday, the third of July, I got back. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was more recently because I keep looking at Saskia Stewart's uh, Twitter, and she's still there, obviously, because she's from there. Um, yeah, I think she's. I think she stayed for two extra weeks or something. She was there, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what what were you doing down there? Because I think I brought it up on the podcast, and I did a really poor job of explaining <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so it's a. Uh, it's kind of a um, like a promotional hockey tour. So there's. Uh, um, they've had a few NHL guys go over in the past. I think Brent Burns is probably the biggest name to have gone over. Uh, he went over last year. Um, we had, uh, Adam Cracknell and myself and, uh, um, Scott, or, uh, yeah, Darling and then, um, Brandon Bolig as well this year. So there's a couple NHL guys who went over, um, a lot of AHL guys are European pros. And, uh, the point of the tour is to, uh, to raise some money for a couple charities. One of them is, uh, uh, essentially they're all to do with, uh, with brain injuries and spinal cord injuries and, uh, and, uh, research and support, uh, groups that go along with, uh, with those two causes. And then, um, a secondary benefit is trying to, uh, you know, grow the game outside of North America. Um, you know, selling hockey in Canada is probably the easiest job on the face of the earth. Um, it's a little more difficult to, to bring it to, um, you know, places like Australia where, you know, they don't have natural ice. Um, outdoors. I mean, the the coldest it gets here in the summers is, you know, five degrees, and they think that's freezing. And um, I wear shorts when I go golfing in that temperature. So yeah, um, you know, it's a good good way to showcase the game over there and and create some uh, some more fans and uh, you know try to try to do our part to grow the game while uh, while we still can. And I mean, third benefit just personally is you get a, a free trip to Australia and you get to to see another out of the world that you wouldn't uh, necessarily go to. And how'd you get hooked up with that? Was it Sasky? Uh, no, it was, uh, um, Kyle Quincy is, uh, he lives in Denver as well. Um, he used to play for the abs. Uh, he is a, one of the first guys, um, to, uh, the first NHL guys to, uh, be associated with it. There's a guy, um, the head guy is, uh, Kerry Goulet. And his, uh, now fiance actually got engaged, uh, this tour in Australia, uh, Tony Mill. Um, great people. They do, uh, the majority of the work, the lion's share. And, uh, my neighbor from back home, actually, a guy named Tyler Gron. We played together playing junior. He played at Northern Michigan and, uh, he's playing in, uh, in the European Pro Leagues, uh, right now. Um, he went on it last year and, uh, you know, told me all about it. Uh, I had heard about it, but, uh, you know, nothing firsthand. And he had gone on it, said nothing but good things. So, uh, he kind of talked me into it, and uh, it was a good opportunity to be able to, to lace him up with him again. And you said Brent Burns is probably the biggest name to have gone, but I mean, I mean Brent Burns is pretty good. 
but he's he's never won an All Star Game MVP. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you were there with John Scott, dude. You're just gonna gla- <laughs> you're just gonna glaze over John Scott. Well, obviously you have to, right? The guy's got a big enough head as it is. <laughs> I'm I'm, just, I'm totally kidding. John John's a great guy. He brought his whole family over. Uh, we got newborn twins uh, that were born close to the end of the season. Um, they came over. His wife, his other two daughters. Um, and uh, and grandma came along to uh, to babysit as well. So uh, you know he's a great ambassador. He's uh, um, incredibly intelligent. He's uh, he's super witty. He's a you know a great ambassador for the game. And uh, um, you know I, I was on the spot. I was trying to remember everybody off the top of my head. And uh, uh, sorry, Johnny, forgot about you. And you messed up. Way <laughs> well, to go. John's going to hear this, by the way, Ben, because John oh, yeah. is an avid listener. Clearly, oh, um, yeah, definitely. But, but you know, he man, loves I, podcasts. It's it's funny because it's funny you bring him up, or funny Steve brings brings him up. You know, you guys, you played together in Montreal this year. Uh, well, more in uh, St. John's. Well, more in St. John's. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I think you you were both there for the one game. Were you guys? We played. Yeah, we played together for one game in St. John's, uh, and then he was called up. I think right after the game or, or the next day or something like that. And right. I was down for the rest of the the week or two that was left in the season in St. John. Well, when you when you saw what he was going through when he when he was traded, um, I mean, obviously he has twins on the way, and we were kind of right in the thick of it too in terms of trying to get him into the All Star game. And and I know that there was some mixed feelings on this show from one member. I felt bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I I always felt like it was such a cool thing. Uh, that that this guy was going through this, and it seemed like at the time there was a lot of um, there was a lot of pushback against him going, and he even addressed it in his Players Tribune article. When you when you saw it, what did you think about it? I mean, at the time that all that stuff was going on, I was down in Bakersfield mm-hmm. um, for for the most of for the most part, anyway. So I was I was a little bit removed as well. Um, I mean. I definitely think that the fans, I mean, if we didn't have fans, you're playing in front of, uh, you know, you're playing in an empty stadium on, uh, you know, in a quiet rink with, uh, you know, just the other guys on, on your team playing against each other. You know, the, the fans make the atmosphere. The fans make the NHL what it is. I mean, the players bring the skill and the, you know, the sweat and the, you know, the sacrifice, but. Um, you know, the atmosphere and the, the culture around hockey wouldn't be anything without the fans. And so um, you can't discount what the fans want. I mean, if, I mean, you can extrapolate this farther out. I mean, if the fans want higher scoring games, um, you know, I think there's better ways to go about it than, than uh, going after goalie equipment. Mm-hmm. But at the end, at the end of the day, I mean, we're an entertainment business. I mean, um, you have to make, you have to take into account what the fans are, are asking for. If they want higher games, if that's what they want, right? I mean, it's all well and fine to tell fans, hey, no, this is, this is actually really exciting. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who are making the determination of whether they were entertained or not. So, um, you know, to come back to John Scott, I mean, if, this, if that's what the fans wanted, then that's what the fans should have gotten. And I think... Um, I don't think it was the smartest business decision to go against your your core fan base and say, no, 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 we, we know what's best for you. Um, we're going to manipulate and pull strings behind the scenes to prevent you guys from having what you want, to prevent you from having your toy and, and being entertained. So, um, in, you know, I, 
I think it was short-sighted, but there are plenty of other things that the NHL has kind of fell ass backwards into that's turned out to be a hugely successful uh, thing for them. So I don't think this is the first and probably won't be the last, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, the fans should be, um, the, their opinions should be heard about what, uh, what direction the NHL should, should be going in. Well, and, and to that point, um, you know, do you think there's a bit of an old school culture in the NHL that may be out of step with what younger fans and really the the fans in in our age group now, Ben? I mean, it, you and Steve and I are about the same age. Jesse's significantly younger, and he likes to tell us all the time. He's uh, really not. He's really, really not that much younger, but he still likes to he likes to drive that point home. Um, you know, Ben, like you you and I know that like. What, with our generation of fans, our age group, we're the future of, of watching hockey and we're the ones that are starting to settle down, starting to engage, starting to get engaged and get married and have kids. And those are the fans that, that the NHL is targeting. And uh, a little bit, at, at least, you know, the ones that are at, are at home on a Saturday night rather than out at the clubs. Yeah. Um, do you think that the NHL maybe doesn't understand in the same way that they used to what this, what this new fan base wants? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you can, if you're going to go at it general, uh, generationally, mm-hmm. I don't think that you can say that it's, oh, NHL executives and, and the older NHL executives or marketers or, or whatever, because you have, I mean, you go on Twitter and you see the same opinions being um, thrown out by the older generation of fans. I mean, I, I think that the older generation of fans, you know, they, oh, I remember when, when Bobby Orr used to go end to end and you're like, yeah, but that's just never going to happen anymore. I mean, they didn't really play defense back then. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> never going back there. Right. Yeah. And, oh, I remember when, you know, watching Gordy Howe and his elbows, you know, you know there's rules against elbowing people in the head. There's, there's protocols. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think that it's a generational thing. That's like an NHL executive, like, Oh, the, the, um, you know, the powers that be in the NHL don't understand what, what the next generation wants. I, I mean, again, you extrapolate this out to even societal things. I mean, our generation is a lot more open and understanding. I mean, you look at LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's our, the older generations who generally, obviously not a, a steadfast rule for everybody, but generally they're a lot slower to come around and some of them will just never come around. And it's unfortunate that the solution to that problem is just, you know, give let it people time. die. <laughs> yeah. Give it time. And the problem tends to solve itself, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but when you come back to that, hockey, I mean, it's, it's, it's what people are used to and, and what people are comfortable with. And, and honestly, it's what they're nostalgic for. It's, you know, they remember our, our parents' generation. Um, they grew up, they grew up watching, uh, hockey night in Canada. And, uh, and, you know, every Saturday night sitting around watching it on black and white and, you know, hearing, hearing uh, the same announcers. And, and that's when they see those things and, and uh, see hockey played in that way, it brings them back to a good feeling of how they were when they were younger. And the way that we see hockey, and it's going to be the same thing for us. We have to be cognizant when we get older than we already are. <laughs> you know, when we, turn, when we turn 50 and 60, we're going to sit back and go like, oh, what do we... What do we got all these uh, 
augmented reality holograms on the screen for. I mean, you kids should just be watching it, you know, the way we used to watch it with a glowing puck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's, it's not that our generation is better or, or even different than, than our parents' generation. It's that what we're used to is what we've grown up with and what they're used to is what they grew up with. And it's very difficult to change what you're comfortable with. Um, unless you're cognitively like focusing on, on accepting something new. So, um, I mean, I don't think the NHL, I don't think they're alienating anybody because eventually this stuff is going to change. It's just, it's not going to change as quickly as anybody wants it to in terms of our, like our younger generation. Right. Right. Ben uses lots of big words. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> ben just jumped on the show and became the smartest person on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to what? Yeah. Um, so uh, when I when I tweeted yesterday that you were coming on the show, people wanted me to ask you about, oh, you know, you played with Subban, you know, talk about the Subban thing and talk about the Taylor Hall thing. You had a pretty fascinating story last year, too. Um, I want to go back about 10 months ago, a year ago, and... What happened, um, basically, from the beginning of the season onward? Uh, you want, like, every detail? Or Not every like, single detail, but it started funny. I remember the day I drove up to my first Montreal Canadiens <laughs> practice. I got out of the car, yeah, well, and I was wearing Converse. It didn't didn't start in Montreal. <laughs> right, it started exactly. started in, uh, in Bakersfield, I believe. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the, one of the problems that I specifically have talking about this is that Anybody who's an Edmonton fan, anytime I, I mean, you can't say anything without it just being all, you got sour grapes, you know, he didn't play well enough, and and now he's trying to take pot shots at Edmonton. I mean, I grew up in Edmonton, I'm an Oilers fan uh, growing up, Um, you know, it's not like I have any ill will towards the organization or the players or anything like that, Um, and really, like, the same situation could have played out with me getting waived and sent down and traded later. and and had it been handled differently internally, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have had any gripes or commotion. I mean, I played with when I was playing uh, in Toronto with the Marlies. Um, I played with Jeff Finger for two seasons. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys remember the mm-hmm. deal that he signed out of Colorado. Mm-hmm. A little and, bit. Uh, and he got wa- I mean, he got wa- It was every summer or every training camp he was coming in. He almost knew he was going to get waived. He wasn't going to be on the team. But I mean, he was a, he's probably one of the best pros I've ever played with. He was a great guy in the room. He wasn't sour. Um, you know, he understood that it was, you know, a business decision and, and that's the way it was going to happen. I mean, it's not like you're sitting there going like, Oh, you know, they screwed me over in this way or that way. The only thing that I didn't, the, the only issue that I really had with being waived was that I was waived without a, a visa. I was waived. I came into camp in great shape. Um, you know, the, uh, training staff and all, everybody in, in, uh, Toronto or pardon me, everybody in Edmonton that I, that I came in in great shape in terms of like the training staff. Um, and then, you know, whatever, I, I thought I had a pretty good camp, you know, um, I had a thing at a nine twenty seven save percentage in my couple games, which is, again, it's small. Um, but who's counting? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's, it's a small sample size. So it's not like I can just say, Oh, I had the greatest camp ever. Right. I think, um, you know, it's open to interpretation once you get into camp and, you know, I probably didn't play as well enough year before to like guarantee myself a, a spot on the team. And you know what? That's, that's the business of hockey. I've been around long enough to understand that. Um, 
what I couldn't understand is how um, you can wave somebody, and, and it was both me and Nikita Nikitin to get waved and then have to sit around for three weeks waiting for a visa before you can play a game in the AHL. So all the momentum you have of your summer, you know, coming in. I came into into Edmonton earlier and had, uh, you know, goalie camps with the uh, with Dustin Schwartz, the, the goalie coach in Edmonton. We, uh, it wasn't just me, it was Talbot, it was Nelson, it was uh, Bressois. You know, we all came in and had, uh, you know, weeks worth of work on the ice, like getting tuned in. Um, I thought I had a good camp and, and you have this momentum going and, you know, you're excited for a season and then all of a sudden you're waiting for almost a month before you can even play a game again. Um, I mean, that that's the only gripe that I really have. And it's not a matter of, like, getting waved or, or anything like that. Um, I wasn't the first guy to get waved on a one-way contract. Guarantee I won't be the last one. These are These are business decisions. I get that. But the you know just the way in which it, it played out was uh, was I think probably frustrating more than anything. And yeah, I, no question I could have handled things probably differently in terms of of getting myself through that lull. But um, you know it was definitely difficult. I hadn't gone through it before, but uh, you know it's a, a life lesson that uh, you know I think I'm a better person uh, coming out the other end of it. So is yeah, it it's difficult? Ben, is it is it rare for a team to waive you without a visa, or is that sort of par for the course? I mean, I don't know. I I didn't think so. Like when I when I would get sent down, when I got sent to uh, Reading in the East Coast when I was with Toronto, um, you know, they had everything planned ahead of time. There was, um, I think, they knew that I was going to be starting at number five on the depth chart, mm-hmm. but. But, it, I mean, it was still, I was going to a different country and they had everything taken care of ahead of time. So that was my only, um, I guess, my only other, uh, I guess, experience with, with going from one country to another. Um, you know, in uh, in Montreal, St. Uh, John's is still in Canada, so I didn't need one there. Mm. When I was playing in L.A., even if I had gone down to Manchester, it's in the same country, so I would have already had a visa, so... I mean, maybe it's a, an issue with just, um, you know, with Shirelli having come over from Boston where Providence is, is their, uh, um, their AHL team. And, you know, maybe just, I don't want maybe it was one of those details that kind of just fell through the cracks, but, um, it was a detail that affected me personally and uh, affected my ability to play. So, um, you know, that was, the, that was the frustrating part, um, on my end. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I haven't heard of it happen to anybody else before. Um, I don't think Nikki, uh, you know, Nikki had, had seen it before either, but you know, it is what it is at this point. So, um, you know, that was the only issue with it. And, um, you know, any fans in Edmonton who are listening and still thinking that I'm harboring any resentment, you know, I still, I still consider Edmonton, you know, my hometown. Um, so, I mean, you hear what Dallas Eakin said, uh, on the radio in Toronto the other day, um, you know, Edmonton deserves to have a winning team. You know, I would have loved to have been part of that, but that's just not how the cards played out for, for me personally. But that doesn't mean that I have any, you know, ill will or, or want Edmonton to lose for well, uh, you just, know, another 20 years or anything like that. That's, I mean, that's, that's silliness to, to try and project that upon me for, um, you know, a fan who's upset and, and rightfully so that the, the team hasn't done well, but, um, you know, to say that, to project on me that I'm, you know, somehow, um, a, 
willing that uh, to continue just through my attitude is, is probably, I think, unfair. Um, well, it is. and But that's the thing, Ben, is, is that you can't win. In, in the internet generation. And so so to try to win, like you could say, God, I really love London, England. And that could offend somebody in Manchester who really loves Manchester and thinks you're taking a swipe at Manchester. It's like saying, I really love Toronto and it offends people around Canada because you're not saying, I really love that particular city, right? Just yeah, because you're yeah. saying one thing does not mean you're also saying another. You are saying yeah. what you're saying and we understand that it's not a pot shot at Edmonton. You're upset, justifiably so. You had to wait for three weeks to play a game again i can get that i I get that i understand that and and i think anybody with the brain anybody worth listening to talking to responding to would get that but adam you you like london england (laughs) does that mean you voted to leave Uh, i'm actually not from there i didn't vote at all typical excuse liberal pinko liberal (laughs) i uh yeah i I, you know what ben we we I, i totally understand that so you're you're you know you end up I mean, from there, I mean, take us through what happened. You, went, you go down to Bakersfield. Did you feel out of step when you got there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I said, I definitely could have, um, I don't even want to say handled it. Um, obviously, I didn't play great when I was down there. Um, I I mean, I think most goalies out there will, will attest to, like, getting into a rhythm is, is one of the most important things to, uh, um, to playing well and, and going on a run. And, um you know, LB, uh, Laura Persuai is, is a guy of the future, I think. Um, I think he's a great goalie, and, and I can understand Edmonton's position that they want to continue to develop him, you know. I was on the last year of my deal, so, um, you know, even if they wrote me out for the rest of the year, it was just going to cost them money in terms of, of my salary. But, you know, me as, a, as an issue for them going forward was going to end um, within – Within that that season, anyway, so um, I can understand why why they were playing LB as much as they were, and you know, um, it was up to me to to play better and to, to force uh, to force them uh, to give me more start. So um, I was I don't say I was fortunate. LB had a bit of a, an injury, and, and that gave me an opportunity to play a little bit more. And when I you know was able when I was playing consistently. Um, you know, my numbers went back up, and then uh, that would that opened up the door to get traded to, to Montreal. So. And that's where I'm going to stop you because we have to go to break here. Um, but when okay. we come back, I want to talk to you. We want to talk to you about because two of the two of the trades that happened this offseason that overshadowed free agency, that overshadowed the draft, that overshadowed everything, they are involving the two teams that you were associated with last year and you played with two, the two main players that left. Um, so we want to ask you about both of them, P.K. Subban and Taylor Hall, next on the Steve Dangle pa- podcast on the Fan 590. So we're with Ben Scrivens, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Los Angeles King, but I think most interestingly... Mm. Considering what's gone on, mm. former Edmonton Oiler slash Montreal Canadian. Ah, uh, yes. And truly two teams that have taken the spotlight away from Toronto, which, I mean... It's kind of unacceptable, but yeah. it's okay. The season will begin soon. Yeah. We'll be right back. Exactly. We'll I be mean, right back there. It all does... And, and Ben, you played here. You know it all kind of comes out of Toronto. It, the, the world revolves around Toronto. 
Yes, sound, you guys sound like true Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks, man. Oh, that, I've never been paid a better compliment. Never been paid a better compliment. Ben, you know, okay, so you you played with Taylor Hall, and and I, we had to say that was the trade that broke first, and that was kind of the one that I, I was on a train uh, going from I think London to Liverpool, and I was blown away by that trade. It was shocking for you when you see a trade like that, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. What is the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Edmonton, uh, I think they felt like, and I think a lot of the fan base felt like they had to shake things up in somehow, and in, in some sense. Um, there's always going to be debate about who you give up. I mean, if if you don't give up Taylor Hall, do you give up uh, Nuge? And if you give up Nuge, now you have a different uh, sect of the fan base who is up in arms about that. And if you don't give up Nuge or Hall, then you give up Ebbs. And if you do that, then there's a different sect of this of the fan base that's up in arms. So, um, you know, you, they're in the unenviable position of having to um, trade away a good player. And, uh, you know, obviously Taylor is a, a, a great player on the ice. He, uh, he puts up points and, uh, you know, he's going to be a valuable asset to a team like uh, New Jersey who, who needs offense. So, um, you know, it seemed like a good fit. Um, for, for both. Um, I don't know a tough, uh, ton about Larson. Um, I didn't play against him all that much, but, uh, you know, they've got a, a good group of, uh, of Swedes in, uh, in Edmonton. You know, you got Anton Lander, you got Clefbaum. Um, you know, they, they had Nelson there. Um, you know, they, the Swedes are all great guys. I've never met a Swede that I didn't really like. Um, That's actually true. They're, they're yeah, great. They are unbelievable <laughs> as a group of people. And, uh, um, you know, it's it's going to be a situation where I think Larson will come in and and I think he'll be able to feel at home because they have that uh, um, that little group of the locker room. Not that they section themselves off, but uh, um, I mean, you imagine what it's like going to a, a foreign country and uh, and being forced to speak a language that isn't yours a hundred percent of the time. Um, you know, it's it's nice to have someone uh, you know close by that. Uh, you can talk candidly with in, uh, in your in your native tongue. So I, I think it's a good fit for Larson as well. And um, I think know, the question, though, and I think what upset people though was that people didn't feel like it was enough for Taylor Hall, right? I mean, and we, I think, on this show, we've all. I mean, I said it on the internet. I haven't had. A, I haven't been on back on the show yet, but I mean, it doesn't seem like it was a very equal trade. I mean, yeah, I I think that there might be some validity to that when you look at when you look at pure numbers in production. Um, I think that, I mean, I I was can't remember who I was talking with, but but they made the comment that while I think a couple of GMs had come out and said that uh, they wish they had known that uh, that Hall was on the market. I mean, I'm not even plugged into the, you know, I'm not on the GM group chat that they got going. <laughs> Which apparently you know, exists. The WhatsApp yeah. group? It's hilarious. Yeah. Apparently something very similar really? exists, yes. Oh. Um, but, but you know, if, I mean, I remember seeing articles, I'm pretty sure I remember, I don't want to pull a Donald Trump here, but I'm pretty sure I remember seeing articles uh, about Trelly saying that they were going to have to shake up the core in some sense. So if you're a GM that wanted Taylor Hall, how is that not an open invitation for you to pick up the phone and, and say, hey, what do you mean by core players? Is number four involved? Is he open? What can we get for him? So if you're a GM who's saying, oh, we wish we would have known, I mean, that's an indictment on you probably not being 
got great at picking up your phone and and I mean I, I get, <laughs> fair like I I get that like you you don't want to trade to an in and any division and in conference rival right but I mean you look at the situation that happened and this is this is has Peter Shirelli written all over it but you look at what happened with Martin Jones I mean he leaves L A. Um, he gets traded to Boston and not even five hours later gets traded to San Jose. Um, so it's not like it's impossible for Taylor all to have ended up in Calgary or Vancouver or LA or, or any number of other teams by these kind of, um, you know, different, differently designed, um, you know, trade scenario. So, um, you know, the, the fact that it was pretty open knowledge that, that someone was on the block, um, you know, I mean, maybe I, I can't say I wasn't in any of the, obviously not in any of the trade discussions, but um, I mean, it's easy to sit back and say, oh, you should have got more for him. But if nobody's offering more for him, how do you get more for him? You can't write your, just like I, as a player, I can't write my own contract. Mm-hmm. It'd be lovely if you could, but you just can't force someone else to trade a person that they don't want to trade. I mean, it's, it's all well and fine to nitpick, but until you know, you know, what discussions were going on in, in the trade rooms. Um, you just really have no idea. And, and, uh, and you can't truly be, uh, you know, someone who, who adds anything valid to the opinion other than I, I would have gotten more. Okay. Well be a GM and get more of that. So, okay. So I'm going to put you in the GM shoes then. Okay. It's NHL 16. You are, you have the, you have, uh, you do a fantasy draft and you can pick any team you want, but it's a fantasy draft. So you're, you're you drafting have six phones. Yeah. And you, you have six, you're up to the six phone level and six you have, Blackberries. you have yes. Taylor Hall on your team and the CPU comes along and offers you Adam Larson. Do you take that deal? Uh, well, that's the first deal that comes your way. Probably not. Mm. Um, I mean, but if, if you've been offering every you know 28 other teams taylor hall and and you know new jersey comes around and that's the best offer yeah take I mean, it that that's your best offer at that point right i mean theoretically they could have held on to him to start the season and then waited to waited for you know maybe maybe someone gets hurt you know a, a top player on another team gets hurt and they need a they need a left winger well all of a sudden you know taylor hall is now a a huge um commodity that they can they can look to move and and now they have leverage on that other team but um you know you also run the risk of now you've got upheaval in the middle of the season um and that's probably the last thing that Edmonton needs is is commotion in the middle of the year when you know they're trying to assert themselves as a as a team that's uh, that's competing every night for uh, for two points so um like i said it's easy to nitpick and easy to, to second guess but Unless you're that GM, you really don't know what what else was offered and what the what the terms and and uh, the the reasoning behind um, everything was. I mean, you look at you can even look at the uh, Anderson Bernier trade, which was essentially a, a straight up trade with some draft picks. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it didn't look like it just looked like they traded a one for one almost, right? And until you see the full picture play out, um, you really don't know what's going on if that makes sense yeah yeah well what do you think that does since you were you were in that dressing room what do you think that does to the core of Edmonton the the core Edmonton players those guys that were all drafted in the top two or three picks in the draft for years and years and years in a row I mean we we all know the running joke with Edmonton do you think that significantly changes the dressing room um 
It might. If, I mean, the way in which it would change the, the culture and the mood in the room is it just puts everybody on notice. Like, hey, nobody's untouchable here. Um, you know, you're going to be expected to do what Todd McClellan asked you to do. And if, and this isn't saying that Taylor Hall wasn't doing that. No, no, no. What we know. Saying, <laughs> yeah. What it's saying, what it's saying is that, you know, we, we're trying to usher in a new, um, era of accountability here. And, and there is no one who's going to be above it. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't matter what your name is, uh, you know, there's going to be expectations for how you play it. And it's unfortunate that we had to, to trade a, a great player like Taylor because he is, I mean, he's an all-star player. There's no arguing that. Um, but, you know, there's, there was going to have to be sacrifices made in some sense in order to, to shore up the back end. And I think everybody in Edmonton and, and the management there has been pretty vocal about that. It's not like that's a, a top-secret thing that I'm divulging or anything like that. But, um, you know, I think it's... It, is maybe an eye opener for the guys who are already in there that, that, you know, things, things will change whether you want them to or not. And we're not going to accept losing anymore, which is, I don't think a, a bad thing for uh, organizationally for them to, to illustrate to the player. And devil's advocate, this is, you know, as someone who really didn't think the Oilers got enough back for Hall, uh, there was that great down goes Brown thing. Like, we need to shake up our core. Oh, but let's not trade that guy. No, not this guy yeah. either. This, hey, how come we're bad again? Yeah. You yeah. know, they it's finally made do. that move. It's hard to do. Um, it's hard to do. I, I definitely don't envy Shirley's position. And, I was, and, and now he has the reputation of trading both Hall and, and Sagan. So, I mean, he's <laughs> got those two... Um, you know, skeletons in his closet, so to speak. But, you know, if things turn around in Edmonton, which, I mean, again, I don't think getting rid of Taylor Hall is the reason that Edmonton has struggled. But, again, he, everybody was saying it's not like there's a... The debate wasn't whether or not they had to move somebody. It was who they had to move. So right. everybody was on, on board with moving somebody. And, you know, the the final squeeze of the trigger came from Shirelli. So... Um, I don't envy him, and, and only time will tell us if that's what uh, what it's going to take to to kind of turn that ship around. So he's traded Taylor Hall. He's traded Tyler Sagan. Uh, not enough people, I think, are talking about he might have to trade or might trade the first pick from the 2012 draft, uh, Neil Yakupov. That's been a rumor for God knows how long. Um, is that guy misunderstood? Is Yakupov misunderstood, do you think? I think he's criminally misunderstood. Yak um, is a great guy. He's a great teammate. Um, he is, he works so incredibly hard and that can be his downfall. Sometimes he, he wants to win so badly that sometimes he tries to do too much. And I mean, I've definitely been in that position when I was in Edmonton. That was one of my downfalls is I was trying to do too much. You know, I was trying to, I was worrying about other people's positions defensively because I was seeing plays develop that were obviously high scoring chances. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you're worrying about other people's jobs, it's, it's only affecting your play. Um, I think Yak is a guy who, uh, given the right coaching and, and the right understanding of, of the defensive way of which to play, um, you know, he is so, he's such a good skater. He has such a good release. Um, and he cares so much about, winning that all it's going to take is for him to figure it out and he's going to be back to his status as, as a as 
a valuable first overall pick. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that, I mean, you look at when he played with Derek Roy in, uh, in Edmonton. That was uh, the second half of my, my last year there. Um, you know, Derek Roy's a veteran guy who puts up points uh, and is a centerman. And Derek Roy got the best out of Neil Yakupov. I mean, well, and so did Connor McDavid last year. With yeah, Puglia. Puglia, yeah. You know, and, and what what Derek did was, you know, he held Yak accountable for um, for mismanaging pucks and, and turning pucks over and and uh, you know, the risk reward um, uh, ratio that you that you need as a as a offensive guy but also have to be defensively responsible. Derek Roy held Yak accountable in a way that allowed Yak the freedom to to score and produce offense, but also prevented him from getting away with stuff that he maybe had gotten away with in, in the past. And it only, it, I mean, it had to have come from a veteran guy who was a point scoring guy. You know, you can't, as much as you love Matt Hendrickson, he is a great guy and a great teammate and a great leader. I mean, he's, he's not a, an 80 point guy or a 60 point guy in the league. So it's tough for the skill guys to look at him and, I mean, they respect, I, they respect the hell out of Matt because he he has completely earned it. But when it comes to it's easy for Hendo to say, "Hey, we all got to block shots." But when it's Derek Roy or or your top um, your top guy saying, "Hey, you know your top point guy saying we got to block shots," it it is a different message as, as much as you hate to admit it. So shifting gears to Montreal, but similarly to the Yak conversation. Why was PK Subban such a bad teammate? <laughs> I just, I just got to know. That's all I've ever been told is he's a really bad teammate. Um, I, I mean, I personally, I'll preface everything by saying that I love PK. I think he's a great guy. Um, yeah, but Ben, I, why is he a bad teammate? He might be a great guy. <laughs> it's just why is he a bad teammate? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I can't speak for anybody else other than myself. Uh, PK was great to me. Um, I think he. I mean, he is flamboyant. He's out there. He's not afraid to, to be loud and, and be in your face. Um, what I respect the most about PK is no matter what was going on, he brought it every night. Um, and, you know, he made mistakes, and, and everybody makes mistakes. I've made a ton of mistakes in my career. I don't think anybody's immune from, from that, uh, that aspect. Um, but he, I mean he wants to win and he was doing everything he could. Um, you know, you look at enigmatic guys who are so skilled and can be so good. And they're, they only show up on the ice half the time, right? You, you watch a whole game. You're like, I don't even think I noticed that guy out there. Mm-hmm. You can never, ever say that about tubes. And, um, you know, I, I guess one thing you can say that's, uh, that would be a valid criticism of, of my comments is that I was only with them for a half a year. Um, so maybe there's stuff that I didn't see or I didn't know about or, or some background that, that was uh, lost on me. But for me, I mean, Subs is a great teammate to me. Uh, when I first got traded there, super welcoming. Um, you know, he's super, obviously super generous, not just with, uh, you know, the, all the hospital uh, donations and, and his time, but he, uh, you know, just being a good teammate to me, I mean, he always, anytime something was going on, it was, you know, text from suits inviting me along. And, um, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it. So, um, it's entirely possible that other guys have, have different, uh, have had different experiences with them. Um, and I think 
probably what hurt the most for him last year um, in terms of his perception was because he is so vocal and so out there, um, when things are going well, he gets a lot of the credit and, and deservedly so. But when things were, were going poorly last year, um, you know, when, when the team wasn't winning, you know, it's tough to get out of that spotlight. And, and I don't think he shied away from it. I don't think that he, you know, walked away from cameras or interviews or, or didn't talk to the media. But, but, you know, every, you know, if he made a mistake, he was magnified because it was a loss, not a win, right? And it's because it's him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, well, and it's no, it's no different than a goalie, right? I mean, yeah. goalies get way too much credit for wins and way too much uh, blame for losses, um, in my in my opinion. And and I think Subes is the type of guy who's that influential on games that when you win, he maybe gets more credit than he deserves. Or when you lose, like last year, he probably got more blame than he deserves. So. Ben, um, what was the mood in that dressing room? You played in Montreal in a very tough time. Probably yeah. one of the toughest in Montreal's history. In the last, like, 10 years. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they've ever had a season like that. It was a bizarre, very, very bizarre season. So you played with them in in the lowest of the low, and I want to know what the mood in the dressing room was like when you guys were going through that together. I mean, I think everybody was frustrated. Um, you know, it was never an issue of, like, lack of effort, right? It was... Um, Almost that, almost that thing that we were talking about with Yak, where you know when things are snowballing in a in a bad way, the worst thing that you as an individual can do is try to do too much. You know, if you focus on your job and what you have to do, then the team as a whole benefits because there's reliability on on what you're doing. And and I think it's I mean it's incredibly difficult to do to to focus on your job and do it 100 percent the best way that you can do and have the results not go your way. I mean, we had so many games last year when I was there that we would outshoot teams and we would lose 2-1, you know? And, yeah. it, and it was a post. It was, you know, a guy just had an unbelievable game. I mean, but the randomness of, of running into, oh, the randomness of running into um, a hot goalie that often was, you know, it was almost comical. And then you compound that with injuries. So guys are playing with new line mates every other day, it seemed like it. And, uh, you know, you just have all these these issues that are outside of effort. And it, it makes it really difficult. I think probably frustration and, and expectation played into to how the mood... I mean, I don't think it was... I, I think by the end, when, when like, the team was, was out of playoffs, um, you know, it was pretty somber. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it was... Um, cancerous or anything like that. I don't think that the guys were, you know, turning on each other necessarily or not in a way that was like going to tear a team apart. I mean, everybody wants to win. Everybody is competitive and, and, uh, you know, it's just a, a whole bunch of frustration and, and what else, you know, you're trying, you're looking under every rock. What can I do to change this? And, you know, that's not always the best way to do it. And again, I, w- I wish I was the expert and knew how to change those things around. Um, you know, I've, I've been on teams that have won before. I've been on teams that have lost before. And um, it's hard to figure out that right combination. And, uh, you know, I, I don't anticipate that they're, especially having Carey Price back, um, I don't think that they're going to have as much difficulty as they had last year. Well, hard to see how any team would, 
right? I mean, he yeah. th- there was so, so much went wrong. Now, Ben, I got to hold you up on this one because we got to go on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The podcast is brought to you by Panago Pizza. It's what's on the inside that counts. Isn't it? Yes, especially after what Ben's told us. You know, they looked under any, every rock. <laughs> and it's, it is what's on the inside the couch. Not to poke fun, but yeah, I'm. I got. I, a, I got a lot more to ask you about. Yeah, exactly. We got more to ask you about in Montreal. I got more to ask you about you. Um, and and we also want to know what Pokemon you've caught in Pokemon Go. So <laughs> we'll get to that in the podcast portion of this. You can download it at Sportsnet.ca. It is the Steve Dangle Podcast, which you can also find on iTunes, Podstitcher, Google Play, anywhere else you can find a podcast. We're on it. The internet. So Ben, getting back to you know with with Montreal and that sort of thing. I mean, do you think that there's a chance? And it's been argued. We're recording again. Yeah, we are recording. (laughs) (laughs) And you can also say fuck. Let's fucking do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not only we get did we get an NHLer on the show, we got an NHLer to drop the f bomb. Which is so rare. They never do that. So, no, yeah. Never. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in hockey dressing rooms. Nobody ever swears ever. Uh, ben, uh, do you think that there could be, um, do you think that some of the problems that happened last year could have been solved by um, different systems in terms of coaching? Um, I think a lot of the problems, I, I'm not a coaching expert. The X's and O's are, are definitely not my specialty. So, you know, it's probably not my place to critique. Um, I think that the biggest problem that you had was injuries. Um, and you look at Columbus, Columbus goes from, you know, pushing for a playoff team to the year. I mean, I don't, they lost like 500 or 600 man games or something. Yeah. Like that. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three years ago. I rip them, but holy smokes, <laughs> do, do yeah, they I mean, get hurt? Mon- Montreal wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that far off either. And, and especially when you have, um, important players on your team getting hurt. And obviously, Carey Price is, is the most important player there. But you also lose Subes uh, for the last, you know, three weeks of the year, month of the year. Um, you lose Gallagher for early on for, for a while. Yeah, right um, before you got there. Yeah, I mean, it it just goes on and on and on of, of how many guys they lost in important roles. And when you have that, that variance in your lineup, it's hard it's hard to get that chemistry going. You know, it's hard for lines to keep up production. Um when okay, well we we got a new right winger tonight, so now you gotta everybody knows um where each other is and now you gotta try and figure out someone else's habits and, and uh where they like to be right and left handed, you know, all those little like those when you're really clicking with somebody is those things are almost automatic. You just know where the guy's going to be. Um, and, and you're not thinking about it. And, and then you get a new guy and now you have to start thinking a little bit that slows everything down just a half second. And, and that can be the difference a lot of the time. So, um, I mean, if he, uh, you could always go back and, and say, Oh, well, if they had just, you know, played a one, two, two sweep four check in the neutral zone, they would have won four more games. Right. I mean, it's tough to unless you have unless you've already done that. Um, it's hard to really contextualize and say that this is a for sure thing. And mm-hmm. until then, it's just a hypothesis saying, "Well, what if you just played like Pittsburgh and did an all out like like a full like a full court press in every zone of the ice?" Well, yeah, that works if you have the right players to play that system. But not everybody has the right players to play that system. You, know, uh- you need. You need um, you need personnel and strategy uh, to combine in the right way, and it's it's difficult to do to find that match. 
In the way that, that Yakupov is misunderstood, in your opinion, do you think PK is too? By the, by everybody, by management, by fans, by uh, by media? I mean, I I don't think how you, I don't know how you can say that a Norris Trophy winner is misunderstood. <laughs> I mean, everybody thinks he's good, right? Right. So, yeah, but, uh, but there's no, <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, like, not off, not not good enough, and that's that's the thing is that it seemed like no matter what he did, there was always people going, yeah, but he's not Shea Weber. Yeah, but it was the half season Norris. Yeah, he, right. He yeah. A lot of well, people saying I mean, that. Crosby was having the same uh, discussions about him this year. I mean, <laughs> it, up until what January, he was oh man, it's not even a debate who's better, Ovechkin or Crosby anymore. You know, um, I think I think that's an issue with hot take media, right? It's, <laughs> what can we what can we talk about today that's gonna get us some some clicks and uh, and get people talking, right? And controversy sells, especially in in sports and hockey. So, um, you know, you have to be cognizant of what's being said and why. Um, I don't think that that many people think that seems is bad. Um, so I I don't. Truly believe he's that misunderstood. Then why was he uh, traded? That's what I don't understand, and that's what we're having having. And I don't expect you to fully answer that. Um, but is there is there anything anything in your mind now being you know an objective person because you are you are a free agent uh, at least as far as we know you haven't broken anything yet. Um, uh, you know how how does a guy like PK? get traded for a guy like Shea Weber, and that is not taking swipes at Shea Weber. No. But you look at the advanced numbers, and you look at the normal numbers, and P.K. Subban's the better defenseman, period. And I have no problem saying that. Certainly the younger one. Yeah, I mean, it's... I would say that probably his... I mean, I don't think anybody has... I'm not saying anything that's like new and controversial, but I definitely think that with the old guard of hockey that... Subes his personality and his outgoingness uh, can rub some people the wrong way. Uh, every young person, well, I shouldn't say every, the vast majority of young people in sport like to see personality. Um, I mean, I like it. I I don't see anything wrong with it, especially if you're if you're looking as a from a player's perspective at selling the game and drawing in new fans and and trying to take people away from basketball and football and baseball and, and draw people in. I mean, having the Oh yeah, it was we we gave one hundred and ten percent, and you know we really tried out there, and you know it was uh, you know all four lines were clicking. That stuff just doesn't appeal to to everybody anymore, and it it again it's everybody who already knows hockey. They love those cliches, and it's it's new or it's it's what they're comfortable with. But if you're trying to bring new people in, I mean that's not nearly as exciting as you'd need to be in order to to steal people away from a slam dunk competition or a home run derby or, or whatever you have. You know what I mean? It's, um, or John Scott do an all-star game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those are the, those are like the out of the box, um, you know, lines of thinking that are generally not, not widely accepted within, you know, the old school mentality of, of NHL and, and of hockey. But, um, you know, I definitely think that Sue's personality is, is more in line with, with the younger generation. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to be a leader because I think you're going to see more and more guys come out like this. I mean, um, you have, you know, Jonathan Drouin, who 
I don't know if he overvalued himself, but he definitely has a lot of confidence to do what he did, right? <laughs> and But he came back and, and played well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it was never a question of whether or not he was good enough to play in the NHL. He's the number three overall pick that's generally, um, you know, 99 times out of 100, that's going to be a bona fide NHL player for a good amount of time, right? And, you know, you I mean, that's one example, but there's there's countless examples out there of guys who are like, you know what? Like, I know that I'm good. I don't, I don't need to, you know, have as much humbleness as, as you expect me to have. And, and just because that's the way, you know, Lanny McDonald did it back in your day, that doesn't mean that that is how I have to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the longer we talk to you, the more I realize you're like a well-spoken Forrest Gump. And you've just you've just kind of been around, and you've and you've had all these crazy experiences, and I'm thinking of all the biggest stories from like the last year or so. And now I want to ask you about Kessel, because I realize you have some you have a you know inside uh, interest in in that too. Yeah, is that a guy that's misunderstood? Oh no, question. Thank you. He, he, Thank he you. Was Phil, Phil is a, Phil's an introvert. I mean that's. At the end of the day, Phil is no. an introvert. And, and, <laughs> and in the Toronto media, you guys do not do well with, with introverts or with guys who don't. Who is you, you know, guys? <laughs> who is you guys, Ben? Oh, you know who exactly what I'm talking about with you guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know what? The people that you are calling you guys... Um, would not consider us their cohort, although we would consider them ours. Yeah, Do you Dave know what Fest I'm saying? considers me a peer for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Have you well, ever? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that's the infighting within a group. You know, from an outsider's perspective, we can lump all you guys together. Yeah, we're completely fine with it. I mean, you ask anybody, <laughs> you ask anybody in, you know, a Vancouver or a Calgary or uh, someone that someone who's not a Toronto fan, and they go, oh. Steve, is that that is that that blogger guy that screams at his computer? He's not any different than mm-hmm. um, you know the Toronto Sun guys who every article is about how great the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be this year. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, oh, you just think all guys, Steves are the same? <laughs> yeah, no question. Yeah, I'm fine saying that. Well, shocking, but, shocking, Ben Scrivens. <laughs> Yeah. That's a player hot take on a media personality, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry. When you when you understand why you guys do it, I mean, everything sells in Toronto. That's where the money is. Yeah, you guys have the biggest market. You guys are an original six team. I mean, it's when you look at it as a as a business. Again, we're an entertainment industry. You go to where the dollars are, and and selling the Toronto Maple Leafs, or for that matter, selling the Montreal Canadiens is is easy money. So, of course, it makes sense why you guys would do it. One I more mean, time for the people in the back! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But, but why do people talk so much about the Leafs? But why? Because that's... But, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. The more ad- like Toronto net. Yeah. More well, like Toronto sports net. Shut up, internet commenter. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it is right. And I'm not saying that I like it, but I understand why it happens. I can, I can say, like, oh... Roll my eyes and go another another lease, uh, another lease article or another LFR or whatever. But I mean, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can understand why it happens. That doesn't mean I have to like it or follow it. But I mean, that's everybody who complains about oh, another TSN or another Sportsnet, you know, leading with trouble. Then turn on your TV five minutes later. You already know what's going to lead with that. I mean, 
Yeah, it, and it's not it's like it's very, different in any other sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ben, we also roll our eyes every time Steve says, I have another LFR. Jesse and I are constantly mm-hmm. going, yeah, okay, another LFR. I do one after every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, let me guess what you're going to do next. Are you going to yell at your camera a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Grab your hair. <laughs> your little toys. Listen, sometimes my hair is too short to grab, so I do other things like jump and scream. Yeah, listen, Ben Scriven's yeah. brand manager knows what your brand is, okay? Yeah. Oh, oh. So, well, I saying. mean, that's good for my hashtag brand. <laughs> yeah, he follows my hashtag content. Right, right. Well, and Ben, the, the thing is, getting back to Phil Kessel, um, have you ever seen him eat a hot dog in your life? Mm, yes. But really? It was what? But, Sorry. So in uh, in Montreal as a visitor team. Oh, that's like, that's like so like most most arenas you get there's like pizza in the room after the game because you're you've physically exerted yourself. It's quick carbs. It's quick food. Mm-hmm. Um, you can order it in. It's I don't want to say it's the healthiest option ever, but you know guys are guys have exerted themselves to the part where they're like starving. They're like I just need anything in my system right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so every every team has, I would say like twenty eight teams out of out of thirty, um, bring in uh, pizza or, or something like that. There I've seen like wings and stuff before, or like subs. But um, Montreal is the only one that's different in that they they bring in hot dogs. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you've been to a game at the Bell Center, but they got like that white bread toasted with the hot dog in the middle, and they just wrap it around. Right. So they do that at Fenway. You know, a box of those. Um, I mean, that's one of the best, one of the best parts about playing in Montreal as a, as a road team is the Sheehan shows after the game. <laughs> I, I think it was John Garrett said, uh, back when he played, he used to hide hot dogs in his goalie pads because he'd be the backup goalie. Right. And he right. would just mow yeah. down on a hot dog on the bench. Oh, that's hilarious. Did, yeah. so, did Ben so Scrivens yes, ever I, do that? Yes, I, I'm pretty sure I have. I mean, I, mean, I can't say a hundred percent sure that I have, but I mean, again, that's, that'll, even if he did eat a hot dog every day, who gives a fuck? He scores forty goals. Like, <laughs> but it makes no sense. Again, it gets back to that: like you're not you're not doing it in the way that I, as an outsider, expect you to do. Right. So I'm going to vilify you. And I mean, Phil took such a so much flack in Toronto, undeservedly so, in my opinion. I mean. The only thing you could argue is that he's the best player and the team wasn't winning. But if if that's the only argument that you have, I mean, what else do you expect him to do? I mean, he scores his goals. He plays well. I don't think he's that much of a defensive liability for what he brings to a team. Um, so when he won this year, I was I was jacked up for him. I'm, I'm super pumped that he, he won. I'm, there's a whole bunch of guys on that team that, uh, that I'm pretty happy. We're, we're able to... Um, exercise their demons for, for lack of a better word. I mean, you look at Justin Schultz, you look at Phil Kessel, you know, there's a whole bunch of guys who are, who have had, uh, you know, unfair shakes based strictly off of, you know, how fans and media have portrayed them without really knowing who they are or what, what they should be bringing to a team. Are you saying though that, and can you confirm that the hot dog stand at College Street was not wheeled to the Bell Center in Montreal no, for Phil Castle specifically? I think it was Front and John. <laughs> front John. Oh, was it the Front How John? How dare one? you, Adam? Wilde. Okay. You know, yeah. here's the well, Ben. We all, we all. But for the record, in case you haven't heard us make fun of that constantly, um, we we for sure understood at the time that the article came out that that was a gigantic load of crap. 
Oh yeah. That, like, and, he, and even if it wasn't, who cares? Mm-hmm. What difference does it make? Right. None difference. Right. Is the answer. None difference. <laughs> None difference. And Phil's a good guy. Yeah, he's an unbelievable guy. He just doesn't open up to the media, and, and he shouldn't have to. That's not his personality. Uh, but you know, you were jacked for him to win, but I mean, he did kind of have to take away a Stanley Cup dream from a friend of yours and it yeah. made, made me sad as well. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, Joe's I'm not right. happy that, uh, that Ryan, uh, didn't come out with a ring, but, um, or even Jones for that matter with another one. I thought, I thought Marty played. Oh, that's right. Playoffs. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of the cool parts about having played in the NHL is that, you know, I got asked, well, like, who are you cheering for in the playoffs? I'm like, well, I kind of know almost one or two guys on every team. Like, I don't, I don't really have those. Um, I don't really have those, uh, like, team affiliations like, like, like you people do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it's, a, it's a different way to watch the game, which is... Um, which is not lost on me that it's, that it's unique, but you know, I'm able to watch the games and, and watch for just a good hockey game without really pulling for anyone. Right. Like if San Jose had won, I would have been, you know, just as content and just as happy watching it as, as if Pittsburgh won. So, you know, Ben, um, you better watch those pot shots. Otherwise the title of this podcast is going to be Ben Scrivens. I did see Phil Kessel eat a hot dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that's going to be the hot yeah. take title. It's going to be called "No One Likes Ben Scrivens." For a rating No. Yeah, but you know what? That makes sense. Toronto media type. Yeah, typical. James is another guy, though, that seems like a really good dude. He is a great dude. There, there's only I'm going to say under under like three or four guys that I've played with in hockey that I like really don't like as a person. And James is definitely not one of those guys. Uh, I still keep in touch with him. He's a great guy. Um, there's really only like like less than you know the fingers on my left hand of, of guys that I'm like, oh, I do not have the time of day for you. And it and it has nothing to do with whether or not they're good at hockey or not. It's purely who they are off the ice. That's that's how I determine if I like you or not. And, and I mean, other people are different. I mean, you're going to see that with, with athletes as well. It's like, well, yeah, he did this horrific thing off the field, but, but look, but he scored a touchdown or hit a home run or he's got a hat trick last night. And you, you we'll sweep all that other stuff under the rug. For me, I'm kind of like, eh, no, like you can be as, you can be the greatest player to ever play. And if you're a dick, you're still a dick to me. And I, I don't have the time of day for you. Are, are you saying that it actually matters what kind of a person you are in athletics? Because I've been given the impression that doesn't matter. Well, to me it does, and, and I'm, I feel like I'm probably a, an outlier. I don't, think I'm in, I don't think I'm in the majority in that sense. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I think that's changing. I think that is changing. Uh, I, this, this weekend, we had John Jones, who's probably the biggest dirtbag on earth, getting the biggest cheers at his press conference during the week. So. Uh, yeah, for cheating, right? Well, well and, prior and to cheating. I think, I think what comes into no it is people value money more than they value their... Like, they can, they can flip-flop their morals depending on what's going on, but when it comes down to them having money on the line, and, I mean, that's how the UFC, that's how um, football, and that's how, um, you know, golf and all this stuff, 
the reason one of the biggest drivers of fandom is the the online betting right now, and it's I don't think it's going anywhere. So at the end of the day, you go, well, I can win five hundred bucks with if John Jones wins this fight because that's what I put on him. You know what? I've kind of I put my money where my allegiances are, and it, to, if he whatever does this, that, or the other, I need that five hundred bucks more than I need to go on Twitter and say, oh, this guy's a bad guy, you know? Um, I That's the way that I see it, and, and I think that's a driver of, of our apathy towards, um, you know, uh, behavior that's unbecoming of, of role models. Right, right. What do you do about that, right? Are you going to ban betting? Are you going to take money out of it? Well, if you do that, all of a sudden, salaries are going down and, and fandom is, is falling right after. And I mean, what's the point of having a, a franchise in Las Vegas if, you can't, if you're taking the betting out of it, right? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Ser- seriously. Um, so you just mentioned, you know, being a role model. And I get the impression that that is, a, that is something you actually take very seriously. Because no one made you go to Australia to do, you know, what you just did. No one made you paint your mask uh, to... Um, to uh, show support, you know, for people with mental illnesses, like uh, this, this is something you take seriously. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't do it as like a role model thing. I really don't care if people agree with me or don't agree with me. It's as simple as I think it's the right thing to do for me. Um, you know, you get into a lot of debates about you know current societal issues, and you're never going to be a hundred percent aligned with people. Um, but I've learned early on in my life that no one's going to say my opinion for me. I might as well say it myself. So, um, you, you know, that's essentially what it comes down to. It's, it's, I am opinion. And I, I definitely think that's potentially could have hurt me in my, in the length of my, uh, my hockey playing career because I, I'm not just like, Oh yeah, I put your head down and, and don't attract any attention type of guys. I mean, there's guys out there and it's not a knock on that. Um, it just, I just can't do that. It's just not how I was raised and brought up, and it's just not my personality to be like that. So, um, you know, it's not a negative one way or the other, in my opinion. But um, you know, I'm I was fortunate uh, to be in a position where you know I had cameras around and a platform, so mm-hmm. um, I took advantage of that in uh, the best way that I saw fit, and um, I would do it again tomorrow if I could. Well, it seems like, <clears throat> and and. You know, I hope you don't mind me bringing up your wife, Jenny, but, you know, the, both of you are are like that. You're both opinionated people. You're both strong in your convictions. Um, you know, is that something that you think drew, drew the two of you together in the first place? Um, I don't know. To be honest, probably all physical at the start. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, fair. <laughs> fair. All right. I, I mean, we, I think what brought us together, we were both hockey players at Cornell. Um, and then... I love that. I mean, that was so honest. It's so true. <laughs> but, I mean, like... I saw your... Dad, how'd you meet Mom? I was like, man, she's hot. <laughs> she made a kick I mean, save I, and I, I was that. done. I still, don't know what, I still don't know what she saw. That's... That's the weird one. Fair <laughs> enough. That Fair is enough. that is a mystery. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, probably like attraction brings you together in the first place, and then realizing <laughs> that the other person isn't a monster is probably what keeps you together, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when so. you when you got down on one knee and asked Jenny to marry you, did you say, "Honey, I'm so glad that you're not a monster. Will you marry me?" Um, I actually don't remember exactly what I said. We were golfing. Um, 
And I, yeah, I think it was pretty, pretty short and sweet. I'm, I'm an emotional robot, so I don't do well with the whole feeling thing, um, <laughs> which is, which has been detrimental at times, but you know, I'm, I'm still breathing, so it hasn't been too bad, I guess. So, mm. Um, did you, Jen, yeah, Jen knows that about me as well. So I don't think she was expecting a big, um, you know, heartfelt thing and, and all that stuff. Um, She's, she knows now, or she's learned over, well, I guess we've been together 10 years, that Valentine's Day is not, is not a day to me. It's just not something that... God, how, can you give me advice? Because I would <laughs> like Happy February not to be, 14th, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> I would like that not to be a day. Because I think every day should be, damn it. Well, I mean, just don't, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> ben. Ben. Oh, okay. Ben. <laughs> but, he but just that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that you never do anything nice, right? Right. I mean, it's... it's okay, it's, Ben. It's the time and place. I mean, I don't... I don't know if you can tell this about me, but I'm, I'm contrarian to a fault where if you tell me to do something, unless it's something that I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Like, I probably am not going to be a willing participant to it. Like, my... Oh, like the whole, I used to have absolute battles with my parents. Like, go make your bed. Why? I'm just going to be messed up when I get back into it. No, I'm not. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And that just carried on for the rest of my life. And again, I think that's something that probably hurt me uh, hockey-wise is that, you know, we're doing this drill. Why Why are we doing this? This one doesn't make a lot of sense. Why are we killing penalties like this? Why are we doing it that way? And... That doesn't, I mean, it's, it's a very army-like attitude that you, that is kind of being adopted by, by sports in general is, is when I say do a hundred pushups, you do, okay, we're going to do a hundred pushups right now and not ask questions why mm-hmm. not, not a, well, why are we doing a hundred pushups when we could do this and that and get the same benefits and we're actually going to be less tired and but that doesn't go over very well yeah, in yeah, an yeah. authoritarian um, sense. So. Anyway, getting back to Valentine's Day is, yeah, I don't know. I just just don't do it. I think it's I think it's a terrible. Well, not terrible. It's just not for me. All right, fair. I, That's I what just, I'm going to say to Caprice this year, and I'll see how I that just, works. And simply don't well, do it. At the end of the day, if if that's going to be a deal breaker, then that's going to be a deal breaker. I mean, there are other things that I do that. Oh, how do you put it? There are, in every relationship, there's things that are like open must-haves and like, eh, it'd be nice if that happened, but if it didn't, you know, it's not the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm mm, I'm quite frugal. I don't know if you could tell that by all my, all my cars and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> cars you know, that are older than half the Oilers? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just, I don't see a lot of points in spending money on that sort of stuff. So, if you're if I was with someone who needed like, um, who needed, uh, you know, constant like gift giving and cause there are some people that need that and it's not a negative thing. It's just how people are. There's a, there's a book called I think five languages of love and it talks about, you know, just what people need. And it's almost like a, a personality trait. Some people need quality time. Some people need like, like physical affection, like, holding hands and like arms around all the time. And like those sort of just like, Hey, I'm like always 
I, to me, it sounds creepy and horrific, but like I'm always touching you. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, there's other people who need like gift giving. I don't know if I already said that. Um, there's other people who need like like uh, verbal reassurances, like mm-hmm. always being like, "Oh, you're the most beautiful. Oh, I love you so much." Like to to me, those things are like for me, it's like quality time, like doing like fun, like going golfing together and like hanging out together and like like debating and talking it. That's what's important to me. And Jen, I think, is along, uh, is basically on the same page for a lot of that stuff. Not that she's, like, followed me, but she's like that on her own. So we've, we've got, like, a good thing going. If I was with somebody who needed, like, constant gifts and, like, emotionally, like, oh, I love you so much, it just wouldn't work because I'm so um, put off by that type of stuff. It's just, like, to my being, it's just not something that would ever happen. So, um, I would find out about your women, which, (laughs) which kind of language of love they speak, uh, speak in before I just start calling me down any path. (laughs) Fair enough. When you went to Cornell for four years, were you thinking about your post hockey career and being like, Hey, what if this doesn't work out? Maybe I should get Um, a, get a degree in something. Yeah, honestly. So I never, I think this is why I'm, I'm even with like what happened last year and like being waived and, and like getting traded and sent down again. It's like, I mean, it's tough. It's an ego. Show. I think the hardest part about it is it's in the public eye. So like all your friends and family, and then they got to answer questions like, Oh, it's basically like being publicly fired or publicly demoted like multiple times in a year and having like that publicly, not just like a one-time news clip, but like, like almost leading with it on, on the sports channels. And that's what the, a lot of the water cooler talk is, right? It's, it's like, Oh, you see, they wave screwing and sit him down. Good. He's brutal. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, my sister and my brother and my parents are in Edmonton and they got to hear people in their coffee shop and Tim Hortons in line of Tim Hortons, you know, talking shit about their kid, right. Or their brother. Either. So I think that's, that was a tough part about it. But, um, you know, Aside from all that, like I've gotten so much out of hockey, um, you know, hot, the game doesn't owe me anything. I'm extremely happy with my career, with everything I've been able to accomplish. Um, and that started with, um, with my college degree. So I was playing junior hockey and expect, like I told my parents, like, Oh, like I'm going to just play junior until I'm 20 and then I'll go to college. And, you know, I'll basically not never expecting to go to college for hockey, just like, get off my back for two years until I, until I really have to do it. Right. Yeah. And then when I was 19, I was fortunate enough that Cornell said, Hey, like we want you to come play here. And I obviously didn't know a ton about Cornell. I didn't, I wasn't like researching universities. Like, Oh, who's, who's losing a goalie? Who needs to, where can I go? What's going to be good? Um, you know, I kind of was just playing and Cornell came up and I, Looked it up online. Oh wow! On Ivy League University. Yeah, that sounds, sounds like that's going to be a good idea for me to do. Um, and my uh, my expectations going in was I was going to play, you know, a dozen games and be a Division One athlete and be able to tell my kids, "Oh yeah, you know, I played in the NCAA as a Division One athlete." And here's my jacket still, and blah blah blah. And, and then whenever that was done, I have my degree and I go off and and work like uh, like everybody else in my family. Um, <laughs> I was fortunate that I got a chance to play at school, um, and when I did get a chance to play, I played well. And um, there are a whole bunch of circumstances that uh, that allowed me to sign in Toronto. Um, Do you remember that first phone call? 
Say that again. Do you remember that first phone call? With Toronto? Yeah. Um, well, it was actually my agent. So it started my after my junior year. Uh, that summer, um, I had a bunch of, I probably had four or five people, agents, like, contact me saying they wanted to represent me. And so that was the first time I thought I'd maybe be able to play professionally because I was like, well, if these guys only make money if I make money. So if they think that I'm going to make money, if they think that an investor in me is worthwhile enough, then they think that I can make some money. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we're going to see where this goes, right? Well, three um, so consecutive seasons of uh, over a 930 save percentage wow. in, in university. Not bad. Yeah. I, I mean, we had a good team as well, which helps. I mean, it's. I definitely think that goaltending is, is overvalued in some sense. Um, you you never find a never find a, a bad goalie on a good team. Really, I mean it's it's the Osgood effect. Not that everybody who plays in the NHL is a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Osgood is the. I don't think Osgood is a five cup like that much of a stud goalie. Um, but he, he he played on a team where all he had to do was make the saves he was expected to make. Right, and and he won five cups, and no one will. He has five more cups than I do. Right, like it's, just it's thought of a knock. Sorry, just thought of a new headline, Ben, which is Ben Scrivens, Chris Osgood, not good. Yeah. That'll be the that'll be the new headline. No, Toronto, comma, Chris Osgood, not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the easy way to combat that is say, well, he has five more cups than I do. Right. That is 100% factual. Like, it's not, a, it's not a knock on him. What it is is a compliment to a team, you know, that Detroit team. Um, conversely, there's a bunch of goalies who, I mean – you look at the guys in in Dallas, not this past year, but even the, the you know two years and three years before that. You know they're they're struggling to keep you know anywhere near a league average um, you know save percentage. But I mean, do we really not think that Kerry Lettinen is a good goalie? I mean, that can't possibly be true, right? It's there's some other effect going on in there. And uh, at the end of the day, if you're a goalie playing in the NHL, you're probably a pretty damn good goalie. And no question there are different, like Carey Price is hands down better at hockey than every other goalie in the league, in my opinion. Um, but that doesn't mean that if you're not Carey Price, you're not a good goalie, right? It just means that he is that much better than everybody. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, not an, again, not a knock on, I just said he's the best goalie in the world, but how many cups does he have, right? It's, it's, it's a hard thing to win a cup when you're playing individually and, and when you're judged individually, mm-hmm. right? it's, it's teams that win and teams that lose in my personal opinion. All right, let's keep going with this forest. Um, we got your crazy year. We talked about Hall, Yakupov, Subban, Kessel, a little bit of Reimer, a little bit of university, all this other stuff. Your wife, Jenny, um, was a goalie in the inaugural season of the NWHL. And I might be wrong. I couldn't find another example of this, but you were the first husband-wife duo to play professional hockey at the same time, um, I think. What was what was that all like? That was, I mean, it was challenging, obviously, being in, uh, in different cities. But, um, I mean, we've been together a while as well, so it, it wasn't something that I was, like, overly concerned about either. Um but uh, no, she she loved it. She um, she was hesitant to to commit to it um, early on. I think she thought that I was gonna 
not be supportive for some reason. I don't know why. I think she was. Because you don't do nervous. Valentine's Day, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that was that was the reason I did it. Like, oh. What, your, your guys' season goes till the end of February? Okay, this is a good excuse not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so what I need is for Caprice to play professional hockey and then yeah. just say, sorry, you're busy, so we can't. Oh, is that all? That's yeah. all. That's all. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it. I mean, Ben, when you guys have kids, yeah. like you, they're going to have so much to be proud of with their parents. And oh. they're probably just going to be like, yeah, that's what my parents did, whatever. But, like, that is such an incredible accomplishment. Do you guys... Ever have you ever sat back and had a beer and just said, "Go us, way to go!" Like high five. Um, not not really. I don't know. I mean, we're obviously proud of our accomplishments, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I never really thought about like cheersing myself. Maybe that's. Ah, I think that's weird. Maybe like oh. Hey, how's, how, hey, honey, how great are we? <laughs> it's kind of a weird sentence to, to utter. Maybe you think um, it's weird. I, don't know. I do it every day. Yeah. yeah. Drake style. More, more, more likely, like, oh, what the hell is going on with this country right now? Yeah. <laughs> is, what, is, what, is what we talk about over a beer. Well, yeah, well, maybe more than one. And, and you know, as far as, as, far as the women's game goes, because obviously Jenny was, was intimately involved in it, um, you know, when you have, when you guys do, if you guys end up having kids and that sort of thing, um, you know, she's going to be one of those names, one of those people that was around at the real inception and the real taking off point of women's professional hockey. Um, and you know, if you have a daughter, do you think that you'll, you'll want her to kind of go down the same route that you, both of you did and, and, and try to t- try to grow the game in the same way Jen did? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't want to try to talk about the unborn yet and try to determine a career path for him. Um, I mean, we we were both fortunate in just the, the circumstances that arose for us to, to get to where we are. Um, you know, at the end of I think when we have kids, it's going to be find something that you like doing and let's let's make sure that you work hard at that, you know. I, like you have parents and stuff talk to you about like oh like so like how do you make it like my, my kid loves hockey so much and you know how like how, what did you do to make it to the NHL and you go well you know, I got really lucky here because this coach liked me and picked me for a, a tournament and that's where this scout saw me or this coach from college and then when I was in college my roommate dad was a a scout here and got me in touch with a goalie coach and that goalie coach ended up getting hired at uh, at this team and that's he got me a contract and then I was able to play and guys got hurt and that gave me opportunities to play. And, and then halfway through their eyes glaze over and they go, so what should I do with my kid? And they go, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have no idea. I mean, the best analogy that I have is like, you don't, you don't buy your kid a guitar and say like, Oh, you're, you're going to be the next Hendrix, like play every day and we're going to make you not that, you want your kid to die at 27. No, no. But, but <laughs> to be as good as Hendrix, that's what we, we, we take from that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry. You're not, we're not the internet here. We promise. Yeah. Eric Clapton. Um, you, you always have to be careful because there are people out there who, who will dissect everything you say. Yes. Um, but essentially, yeah, you don't, you don't buy your kid a guitar saying like, Oh, you're going to be this next, you know, phenom guitar player and, and you're going to make millions of dollars and be a, a rock star. Right. You buy them a guitar so that they learn a skill. Um, they get to start a band with their friends in the garage and, and 
um, you know, learn to be in a group and learn some some talent and, and teach them a, a bit of work ethic and, and uh, some sacrifice in order to get better at something. And I don't think that sports are any different. I think you get more out of being on a team and learning how to be um, competitive and control emotions and and be selfless and sacrifice for the group. Um, I think that's a more important thing for kids and, and everybody to, to learn than, um, than you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to step on everybody's throat in order to make it to the NHL because chances are you're not going to make it to the NHL. I mean, the chances realistically for me being an undrafted uh, 18-year-old was that I wasn't going to make the NHL. And, and I never, honestly, I never even considered playing in the NHL until I was playing with the Marlies in the AHL being like, I'm I had a pretty good camp. I might be able to, you know, get a game or two here if, if somebody gets hurt. You know, it wasn't like I was sitting in college or sitting at junior being like, oh, I'm only four steps away and, you know, this <laughs> is the route that I planned out for myself. Because you end up, you know, you can drive yourself crazy because so little of that is in your control, right? right. It's, it's very much a, you know, control what you can control. And everything else is there's no point, no point worrying about it. I mean, you fight, if you think that you're going to have some control over it, I mean, obviously fight till the end, but um, understanding what it, what is and isn't in your control is, is super important as well. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that answered any questions at all. None. None. Zero. No, Ben, what are you going to do next year? We don't know. We don't know what your situation is. So what's the deal? Well, I've got a couple. I've I've basically committed somewhere, but I can't uh, really bring. I can't can't say it until it's been official. It's kind of the the official um, stance that every hockey player has to take. Because if you say something and then things change, because yep. things change in hockey, then you look like an idiot. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say probably within a day or two, um, what I'm going to be doing will be announced. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Hockey's fun right now, so so we'll see how this year goes. Here's a very general question: Are you excited about the opportunity? Um, yeah, I think I am. I think it'll be uh, it'll be a, a new challenge for me. Um, and uh, you know, there's some familiar faces where I'm going, so that'll that'll make it uh, um, an enjoyable time as well. And um, it should be a good challenge. And uh, especially personally, you know, after a tough year, to have some stability and and be able to just play and and work hard is uh, it's going to be a good challenge. Okay. Okay. All right, man. Well. See you with the Leafs. <laughs> we do have a position open. About it. We do have a backup position open. I'm just saying. It'd be nice to see you back. And you know what? I'm going to do this. Oh. I'm going to go there. Oh. The last time you were a uniform member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh. I have to ask, Ben. Yeah. And I, I know mean, it's everything, you don't. everything's been going so well, and you probably won't want to talk to me after this, and I get it. <laughs> uh, but that game, that last game, uh, was against Boston. It was uh, I- three years ago, and we still haven't forgotten about it. It was a heartbreaker for for the fans, and it was, I mean, it was something Joffrey Lupel even said would haunt him forever. Uh, for you, watching that game, um, can you describe how it went in your mind, how it felt, the, the feeling after the game, all of those things? Yeah, I mean, obviously with... Um, it's- hard to look at that game without looking at the series as a whole as well. Um, I mean, first off, like I didn't play at all. 
So yeah. I'm immediately like one step removed from, you know, loops and from Grimes and a lot of the guys who, who had pro- like, who actually had an effect on, on the game and on the series. So for for me, it was probably, I don't want to say it was easy to swallow, uh, but it probably wasn't as, as painful as it was for, for guys who had, uh, you know, actual influence on the outcome. Right. Right. Um, but I mean, we were down three, one in the series and, you know, we come back, we forced a game seven is especially again, you know, to exercise the demons against Boston. Cause you know, for the, the entire time I was with the Leafs organization, it, I mean, we would get shit kicked and, and it was, every time was a little bit different. It wasn't like, again, it's never like a, Oh, uh, you know, we just didn't try and, and Boston came out and hammered us. It was like one time it was, you know, we just, took too many penalties and they torched us on, uh, on, uh, on the power play. Other times it was, you know, either me or Ryan or someone would have, you know, just an off night as a goalie or, um, you know, there was always something weird about it. And it was, it was one of those things where this was, the um, the playoff series to kind of exercise those. And it started out, you know, you go down three, one and it's like, Internally, we didn't feel like internally we didn't feel like we were playing poorly, but you know you definitely felt from the. I mean, nobody gave that team a chance right from the start because of the history against Boston, the recent history against Boston. So to exercise those and to to force it to Game Seven was huge in and of itself. You know, mentally for the guys on the team was was um, an important step, even like going past that season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where it wasn't it wasn't the the big bad Bruins anymore. It was a you know we can win this game if we play well and do this well and do that well. Right now we're just focusing on ourselves again. Um, and then the game seven itself, obviously, I mean, if you lose five nothing or you lose in overtime, it's going to hurt. Um, obviously, the frustrating part I think guys felt the most was was being up and being in control and having it slip away. But I mean, I think that, I mean, there are different things that could have happened to have potentially swayed that. Um, you guys can probably double check this, but I think we went down to like seven players. Um, you know, we were double shifting guys. Um, the same guys are kind of just going over and back, over and back in terms of, of who was actually going out there to play. Komarov's and last it, shift was about three minutes into the third. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I think Clark MacArthur got sad as well. You know, there's like there's a bunch of guys who are good NHL players who probably could have played a little bit more. But again, at, at the time, it's you know that's what the coach's job is is to do what he thinks will uh, will ensure a win for the team. And you know, it was unfortunate that you know, I think guys kind of ran out of gas a little bit just because of of shortening the bench as. Because of early coaching. and as significantly as as it did, but um, you know, as a player, I mean, what do you do about that, right? And yeah, you don't control it, that. Yeah, it, again, it gets back to like, what can you control? And I think that's probably what hurt guys the most is some guys had no control because they were benched and they weren't playing, and the guys who were playing were absolutely gassed, but they were doing everything they possibly could to you know hang on. So. Um, well, and the, and, yeah. the, and the coach that you mentioned is back in the NHL, <laughs> and he's actually going to be coaching the goalie that you were traded for. 
um, yep. in a strange twist of events. And also the assistant general manager happens to be the same GM of that team. It's mm-hmm. such a weird sequence of events. And, you know, what was your experience under Randy Carlisle? Um, it, I mean, it wasn't that. I mean, I didn't, obviously I was young. Um, I thought I had a pretty good year. Obviously you want to play every game that the team goes out there for. So you want to play more. Um, I thought I could have played more, but I don't think anybody in the NHL who doesn't play all the time would say anything differently. Right. You mm-hmm. got to have that internal confidence that, you know, you can play at that level and, uh, um, help the team win. So, um, but you know, I mean, he was a pretty straight shooter with me. Um, again, I'm not an X's and O's guys where I'm like, Oh, you know, we should have used this breakout instead of that one. And that would have made, you know, a big difference. But, um, you know, he was, uh, he was a straight shooter enough with me. Um, honestly, like as a goal, you deal more with your goalie coach than you do with the head coach. So, um, you know, that, is true. that was, it was, uh, it was great to work with Frankie. That was, that was the best part about being in Toronto was, was working with Frankie Allaire. Francois Allaire. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of my day-to-day um, dealings with uh, with Randy, I mean, they're pretty limited. And, you know, he was never disrespectful to me, so, um, yeah, no issues one way or the other. Did he ever make you toast? He never made me toast. Okay, I just wanted to check. I mean, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't have HBO back then either. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you got that reference, though. That's I nice. Uh, I love Ben. You know, okay, here's how I feel about all the things going on in the NHL and and, and, and management. And, I mean, you got to pick up your phone, you, you meatball. And, and oh, my goodness, uh, the, the media, they could do all these things differently. Coaching, look, I mean, you can only control what you control. And I'm not an ex's <laughs> nose guy. And I, I don't I don't know, man. I just you can only control what you can control. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's there. There's so many different tactics that you can use, and I mean, I'm just not. That's just my brain doesn't work quite like that. You know, I'm not. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I I, I can tell what teams are doing. I can tell you know a, a two one two four check versus a one two two trap. You know, all those things, but. In terms of like what works and what works best for individual teams, it's not my. You know, I'm I'm confident with my opinions when I state them. Like I, when I give you an opinion, it's because I genuinely feel that way. If I don't know about something, I'm not just going to talk shit and be like, "Oh yeah, I should have definitely done this," because then I look like an idiot and all my other opinions are invalid. Right? You you have to have an understanding of. I know what I know, but I also know what I don't know. And, and there's no point in trying to, you know, act, act smarter than I am by trying to, you know, talk about, you know, X's and O's when that's just not something that, uh, that makes sense to me or, or, or works internally in my mind that makes sense to me. So fair enough, Ben, we're yeah. going to do something we like to call the press conference. And it works like a press conference. Uh, only it's the it's the fans of the Steve Dangle podcast asking you uh, asking you questions. So we're gonna have Jesse kind of relay them to you. Yes. The presser S D P. The Steve Dangle press conference. So one fan just wanted you to speak on Jenny retiring from hockey and returning to PR work. Just speak on is, is it? yeah. It's not really a question. <laughs> they, they wanted you to know his your your experience in her going through this. Um, well, I mean, I think it was a it was a difficult decision for her, but um, you know, 
she's got to make a decision that uh, that makes the most sense uh, for her. You know, her. She's fortunate that she's in a position where um, I hope this doesn't sound callous or anything like that, but like she's in a position where she can make decisions about uh, her future that are not solely dependent on on money and. Um, you know, are we going to be able to pay, you know, the mortgage this month type of, type of, uh, scenario. So she can make decisions that are, uh, purely based off of what she wants to do, what she's going to be happy doing, you know, all those, like, not that she's a millennial, but all those like millennial type questions. Like, is this really the best use of my talent? Um, right. you know, she, she's fortunate that she's in a position where, and, and whenever I'm done hockey, I'm going to be in that same position where, you know, all right, I can take a step back for, you know, six months and figure out what it is I want to do. She's in that position right now and I'll eventually be there. Um, and it's, uh, you know, obviously we're extremely fortunate to, to have that type of freedom, but, uh, you know, it's not lost on us. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're not just golfing and then sailing around the world for, you know, six months and then, Oh God, we have no more money. What are we going to do? Somebody feels sorry for us, you know, right. but, uh, you know, we're fortunate with uh with our situation and she is right now and yeah she'll uh she'll figure out what her next step is uh when the when the time comes and just for the audience because some people were saying get jenny on uh we tried uh, <laughs> it just, just didn't work out today we'll try to get her on another time though. yeah uh nick wants to know what do you think of the world cup format and the funny teams like world north america well, i think it's i think it's cool i think it'll be a good uh good experience um i think that uh again you need to create something that's a little bit different in order to sell the game, right? It, nobody, nobody really wants to see. I don't want to say like bottom feeder national teams, but I mean like Canada tends to beat up on teams that are um, that have just like they just got out of the the B division, right? And, and they have to play against you know unless Latvia has unless Latvia's goalie has an, an uh, out of this world game where you know there's just nothing gets by him, but I mean those are kind of outlier types of, of scenarios. It almost happened. <laughs> yeah, I, know it. I mean exactly it happens, but um, but I mean you, it might be a, in terms of just parity. I think it's a better idea to have these you know the European Pro Team or the European All Star Team and the Under Twenty Three Team. I, I think those are good ideas because it's outside the box. It creates parity. Every game is you're not gonna. Nobody wants to pay, you know, I don't even know what tickets are going at. Nobody wants to pay 200 bucks a ticket to go watch, you know, Canada steamroll somebody 8 nothing. you know? Mm-hmm. They want to see a game where Canada has to, or Canada or the U.S. or Sweden or whatever, you're, whatever team you're aligned with. They want to see you win, but they want to see you have to work for a win, right? Right. Well, I mean, I would have no problem with Canada winning every game and Steve rolling their way to the championship in any tournament. But yeah, well, but, yeah but I mean, because I'm biased, but it, but it yeah. also at the same time on it, I understand what you're saying. Entertainment level. We just watched the UEFA tournament and how yeah. how close that was uh, yeah. and how exciting that was. And, and none of us really have a team in the race unless you guys do that. I didn't know about. I'm, you know, exactly. It's, and again, it's. Selling Canada, selling hockey in Canada is the easiest job in the world. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. Let's let's cover Team Canada and we'll sell some jerseys. Oh yeah, that sounds like a tough job. How about you try to sell, you know, Team Team uh, North America jersey here and, and try and get people invested. Try to get Canadian uh, youth invested in cheering for uh, Max Pacioretty, who's an American, right? Or or I don't even know all the rosters to be honest. You know, but like trying to get kids uh, 
cheer for someone that they that isn't like the normal thing because that's that's the way that you grow the game. Not just you don't want the Harlem Globetrotters beating the Washington Generals every game because you see it once and eventually it's like okay. Like I don't need to go because I already know who's good. people still go to their games, Ben. Yeah. So so here's here's my <laughs> they're due. <laughs> they're due. Crusty. You've never seen it before. Yeah. You don't. Nobody. You. I dare. I dare you to find me one season ticket holder. To the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> the Leafs have thousands, Ben. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So 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 since we have you here. All right, since it's the four of us on the show right now, I think we all need to pick our team, oh and then boy. maybe lay down a bet. Oh, okay. That's I think, what I, I think it's. A, I think it's illegal for me to bet on hockey. Oh, okay. So, so maybe, maybe, um, maybe next not, time. I, I wasn't talking. <laughs> I wasn't talking money here. Is is would it be illegal for you to bet a dinner or a uh, or a or? What do you pay for dinner with Adam? Uh, Besides your good Damn, looks, what can we do for free? What, can we, what if <laughs> what can we get for free? All right, what if here's this? Betting. No, no. What if we do this? What uh, if what we do everyone, this? Uh, everyone gets clothes for free, so right? Okay. Whoever uh, whoever wins, everybody else has to tweet that this person is the best of is, the four of us. Is very smart. And is this handsome. is the super? That's free, right? Super smart <laughs> and handsome. That's free. Yeah, that is a good that is a good workaround. Can we do that? Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ben. Only funny. if you're comfortable, man. I I don't want to like I don't want to put you in any bad standing here. I don't know, man. We'll figure if I do something wrong, someone will tell me. <laughs> All right. So, Steve, who's your team? I I want North America. I want the young guns you to the shock guns? the world. Okay. All right, Jesse. Do I get to take Canada? Is that can I do that? Yeah, you can yeah. take Canada. I'll take Canada. You're gonna take Canada? <laughs> ben, what about you, buddy? Well, I'll go last. I'll see what's I'll see what's left after okay. you guys pick. All right. Hockey. Well, well, since since Canada's taken, I'm gonna take my other native land, which is the United States. Even though I'm kind of angry at them for not putting Phil Kessel on the roster. That is just insane. Insanity. So, so, Absolute, unmitigated insanity. So far, we have three picks in two countries. All right. <laughs> All right, Ben? Um, I think that... I assume that the, that Canada and U.S. are going to get taken, so I was going to go the under-23, uh, but I'll go, I'll go with Sweden. As my, Ooh! As all right. Now, to be fair, to to we will say whatever team goes the furthest, right? Mm. And if there's yeah. a tiebreaker, whatever team won the most games, and then if there's a tiebreaker there, whatever team scored the most goals, and we'll we'll call it we'll call it there. All right. Okay. So we're all agreed. <laughs> whoever wins, whoever wins has to. Everybody else has to tweet about how handsome and cool they are. Cool deal. Sounds <laughs> good. All right. Awesome. Done. Final question. Yes. Are you playing Pokemon Go? <laughs> Um, so, po- like the original Pokemon, like the, the gray Game Boy version, mm-hmm. um, came out when I was in probably junior high, like late elementary, junior high, somewhere around there. Um, so that was like, that's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, I downloaded the new Pokemon Go, and then I realized you had to walk around, and so I deleted it immediately. <laughs> 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 that is funny. <laughs> all right, all right. I, was, I had it on my. I was sitting on my couch, looking around my living room for Pokemon, and there's no Pokemon in my living room. So I was like, oh, "Okay, this game sucks." <laughs> <laughs> ben, who, who's your starter Pokemon? Uh, I don't know. I play, I mean, I played it so often when I was a kid. I started with each one of them. Um, it kind of depended on who who I was. I guess like the feeling that day. Probably I would have gone 
what's the fire one? Charmander. 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 Yeah. Charmander. I probably would have gone with that one. Do, that you know, I just say. To, but I mean, <laughs> I did. I did the squirrel thing. I did the. I don't know what the other one is. Those are Bulbasaur. <laughs> and Squirtle. I'm surprised. That's the one you could start off with? Yeah, Bulbasaur, uh, Squirtle, and Charmander. And if you had Pokemon Yellow, which I did, oh, you okay, could get I Pikachu. Did. Pikachu. See, I, I always thought Pikachu was overrated. I mean, he was obviously like the star of the cartoon. <laughs> I think everybody that agrees I on that. Cartoon, but, you know, you catch him and he was a liability on your roster. <laughs> Tru- truly. If yeah. you went up against a rock or a water, you were toast. Well, no, yeah, water, not. He, well, rock, well, you were toast. Yeah, as you say, that never made sense to me. I always thought the electricity ones would do well against the water ones, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they do. They well, do. they do. They do. Adam but then some, somebody uses like a somebody uses like a, a power move on you, like you know, because because squirrel, squirrel could do more than shoot water. He could actually like what was the body slam? Yeah, you get a body slam. That Pikachu's toast. Well, what level was he at? True, true, Steve. Oh, yeah. Good point. Let's argue this. And I mean, you go to get the Thunder Badge, and it's like, there's that Sand True you weren't paying attention to. All of a sudden, there's an all-star on your team, you know? He could win the the Thunderstone, uh, Thunder Badge, sorry, Con Smythe. How do you remember these things? Adam, like I played that game. No girl I can't talked to me until I was in grade eleven. Fair. That's how. Fair, fair. And you're a married man now, and it worked yes. out for you. Well, Ben, um, do we have any more questions, Jess? Are we good? No, we're good. Ben, thank you so much for your time and for your candor. I mean, you were very honest with us, and and I really appreciate that. It's it's sometimes it's it's a tough position for you to be in because, I mean, we're talking about the people that you work with on the day on a daily basis, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, honesty is usually honesty usually helps people who deserve it is generally how it works out for me. So um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think I threw anybody under the bus. Like I said, at the end of the day, every, it's easy for fans to look. Oh, you know, player X is brutal. He should be in the H. I, that's one of my favorite insults that people tweet at me. It's like, oh, you're brutal. You're an AHL goalie. I'm like. Yeah, uh, pretty good quality. That's, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you're brutal. You're in one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really hurtful, man. Like I'm still, I'm still in the top league in North America. That's that's one of the biggest insults I've ever had. You should write back. How's house league? Yeah. <laughs> nah. Well, again, it's 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 never good to argue on the internet. You're right. Unless, it's it's uh, it's a slippery slope. I've received DMs from Ben going, "No, <laughs> stop! Yeah. What you're doing?" I always appreciated that. I I realized something just this moment. There are all kinds of reasons why you're the Forrest Gump of hockey. Um, you know, you had this experience, that 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 that. We went through the whole list. Your wife Jenny. is Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> I didn't even realize. It's not that Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> well, do you have a friend named Dan? Uh, Lieutenant Dan. I do have a friend named Dan. No friends named Bubba, though. Uh, oh. Not yet. Most not yet. Business. And Jen's not a heroin addict either. Oh, um, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, shoot. Well, you can scrap that press conference question there, Jesse. <laughs> I mean, there's still time, right? <laughs> She's not playing any hockey anymore. She can pick up a new hobby. I hear PR is a crazy business. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> well, yeah, Ben. Honestly, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this, this show is devolving quickly, so we better get out of it. Yeah. Uh, but we hope to talk to you soon, and, and really looking forward to your announcement whenever it comes. 
I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good luck in the upcoming season. We hope to talk to you and, and Jen on the same episode next time we have you on. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness.